0: Again, I'm thankful to be here with you uh, this morning. We've already mentioned several times, um, starting in our prayer service, um, most of us are aware of the complications, the difficulties that the Goochas are going through. Um, supposed to be maybe even right now en route or maybe they are uh, headed to Le uh, They had their little girl on um, Friday morning, 2 a.m., um, Health complications uh, ended up in the NICU, um, and uh, now they're transferring her to um, to Lebanon. and And so, as we hear that kind of news, and we love families that endure those kinds of difficulties, uh, particularly we, uh, if you've uh, thought about. This experience for the Goochies, um that's following the uh, the loss of their uh, the baby last time, then it even compounds just the the compassion that you have the the uh, the, the the way that you're moved by uh, this uh, difficulty that they're in, and that is right, and that is the way that in some ways the way that the Lord has designed it, and so I want to think this morning with you. I want to move away from John for this morning and think with you in Proverbs chapter 17 um, about how we can think about and really how we can respond to this in a way um, that's in line with Scripture. So Proverbs chapter 17, just want to take one verse, Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. A friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. So the message is just simply being a faithful friend in times of adversity. Okay? Being a faithful friend in times of adversity. The passage says here clearly that a friend loves at all times. Okay, that's uh, Many times that's uh, something that we desire to do. We don't always... Have the wisdom or the uh, the insight to know how to do that in every particular instance, and then it says a brother is is born for adversity. Brother is born for adversity. That is the not only the the blessing, but almost even the necessity of our brothers, our friends, as we go through diversities, what are of our adversities. The the the, the the help, the strength that they can bring. And so as we, we think about, again, the Guchas, their circumstance, as we are heavy in our hearts, and we'll see in a minute it's right that we are that way, I want us to think of some ways, uh, practically, that we can be faithful friends to them uh, at this uh, time and, and at this, in this season of their life. Now I'll just say from the outset, um, this message is 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 really to help stir you up. It's not because I don't think you uh, have absolutely no idea what to do. Um, we We can't um, personally can't think about um, this um, this trial without our hearts and minds going back to. Nine years ago, a very similar experience that we had with David, and the, and, and the church here was such a tremendous blessing during that time. So as I, as I bring the message, it's not because I think you have absolutely no idea what to do. Uh, it is to encourage, it is to stir up, and hopefully uh, it is to be helpful as we think about how we might be faithful friends in times of adversity. I want to think about this in four areas. One, many of you are already in the middle of ways to be faithful friends in times of adversity. Number one, by having compassion. Having compassion. That might seem like kind of a strange one to, to start with. But it's probably a pretty familiar one. It's probably one that maybe you've labeled, maybe one that you can't. Compassion, we think about this as far as just a definition. Webster says compassion is a suffering with another, it's painful sympathy. It's a sensation of sorrow that's excited by the distress or misfortunes of another, it's pity. Commiseration. Compassion is a mixed passion compounded of love and sorrow. And so it's a, it's a personal experience that you have. It's an emotional experience that you have that's based on the hurt or based on the sorrow or based on the troubles of another person. 1 Corinthians chapter. 12 talks about the body that the Lord has put together and talks about the, just the fact that compassion ought to be and really is a natural thing that occurs among the body of Christ. Look there in 1 Corinthians 12 with me. In First Corinthians chapter twelve, I'm only going to look at two passages or two verses here. Um, it's the chapter itself is related to spiritual gifts and how the Lord has placed many members into one body so that there are many gifts in one body and we get to verse um, eighteen and it says, "But now this is first Corinthians twelve verse eighteen. But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body as it has pleased Him. God has set every member in the body as it has pleased Him. Now, this is in line with what we're thinking about when we're thinking about what does it mean to be a faithful friend in times of adversity. You know, one of the great blessings of being Um, part of and a member of uh, the church is that the Lord has placed you in a body with many gifts, many members, um, many abilities to be able to help and bring comfort and encouragement and sustain and all the things that need to happen, uh, whether we're talking about times of adversity or others. But the point that I want to make here, and we ought to think about this in a very personal way, is that the Lord has set up, put into place, has drawn and put together this body just exactly as He has seen fit for it to be right now in December of 2022. And when we're thinking about this in relation to the ministry to uh, the Gooch family, uh, we'll talk, we'll, we'll mention this again, but part of God's provision to them during this time is you. Okay? It's you. Part of, one of, the blessings that the Lord has provided for them in their time of need is you. Okay, and So we want to think about how can I, how can we be faithful friends in times of adversity? One of the other helpful things about thinking about this from a body perspective is that as we try to think about how we might minister uh, and how we might serve and care for the gooches or any family who's hurting or facing adversity, the fact that we've been placed in a body lets us know that the Lord isn't putting all of it on one single person. Okay? So your job is not to care for every single thing that needs to be cared for, your job is to use the abilities, use the, the, um, the, the gifts, and use the opportunities that the Lord gives you to serve. And one of the blessings, again, of being in a structured body is that in many ways we can coordinate that. So the Lord has given us a body. He's brought this body together. And then when you jump down to verse 26a, He says this about the way the body functions together. He says, and whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. When one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. We're talking about compassion here. We're talking about God's design so that we're part of a a real, we've got a real connection with a real body so that whenever Uh, one member suffers or a part of the body suffers, the entire body suffers with it. There's a a real pain, there's a real uh, suffering that we uh, experience as those that we love, those that we are um, connected to, suffer. And this is what we think about when we think about compassion. Romans 12.15 would just simply say it this way, that we ought to weep with those Weep. Now, this isn't anything that's manufactured. It's just something that happens. So, so maybe as you've thought about this or thought about other, uh, you've been in other circumstances, you have the feeling that, man, I'm just sick over this. Right. Part of that's compassion. It's just this natural suffering, this natural effect. Now, how does this happen and why does this happen? You know, the truth is, compassion, the way we're thinking about it here, doesn't always feel good. It doesn't always feel good, but it is good. Sometimes people uh, really don't know how to locate what's happening. They don't, don't really know that the compassion that they're feeling is compassion. Sometimes they think it's a lack of faith if they had. More faith they wouldn't hurt if they had more faith they wouldn't uh it wouldn't be as painful for them to think about these kinds of things as it is and and the truth is it's it's really a uh the more compassion we have is is a sign of a matured faith that we're growing into christ likeness growing into what the Lord would have us to be and who He would have us to be. Here's one example of that. Philippians chapter 2, verse 4 says that we ought to think on the things of others. There's no way to have compassion unless that's happening. Compassion is a byproduct of having an interest, a care for, having a concern for other people, having a love for other people. And so as we grow in humility, as we grow in an interest for, as we grow our love for others, then our compassion grows as well. We think about this in a different way. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 describes Christ as being a compassionate high priest, and the description there is that he is touched by the feelings of our infirmities. Okay, so he. He knows about the difficulties that we face. He knows about the struggles that we have. And his response to that is that he is touched by those things. He is sympathetic toward those things. so that as we grow in compassion, we really grow in Christ-likeness. But the other blessing that compassion is for us and for the body is that compassion typically motivates us to want to help, and to want to bring comfort. You know, the difference between someone who is ready to, um, to be used by the Lord and someone who is just complacent, particularly in these kinds of situations, is compassion. My brother, my sister is hurting and I want to do something to help to alleviate that. I want to do something to help bring... Um, hope and comfort and encouragement in their time of need. Now sometimes sometimes we can wonder why we aren't as compassionate as we wish we were, particularly at at younger ages. And um, one of the answers to that is that really the more you grow in personal life experience, the more compassionate you're going to be. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to have this before you can be compassionate. But it does mean that your capacities for this sort of thing will grow as you get older. So, uh, for younger folks, sometimes these things can be kind of awkward. Because you know what you ought to say even though you're not feeling what you think you ought to be feeling. But again, when we look at Christ's example in Hebrews chapter 2, Verses 17 and 18, it said it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren. That means it was necessary that he was made like we are, that he might be a compassionate or a sympathetic high priest because he was tempted in every way, just like we're tempted. Okay? And so he knows how to bring the right kind of help in the right kind of situation. The point is, at least the application that I'm getting out of this, is that Christ became like us so that His capacity for compassion and sympathy would be greater than it would have been otherwise. Now that's, that's a pretty incredible thought, isn't it? The sovereign God, the omnipotent God who knows everything, Decided that the best way he could serve his people is by having firsthand experience in their sufferings, in their temptations, and their trials and their difficulties. And because of that firsthand experience, his compassion, his sympathy is what it wouldn't have been otherwise. And so we have a desire to grow in love and to grow in compassion for one another. Um, that comes as we take an interest in each other. And then that also grows as we go through our own personal life experiences, our own difficulties, our own trials. And that's one of the way that God, one of the ways that God uses that in a redemptive way. And we don't have to guess about that. We already know. Um, from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, and we'll come back to this later, but but he, Paul blesses the God of all comfort, and and then he says that God comforts us that we might be able to comfort those in any trouble with the same comfort that we've received in our times of affliction. Okay, so again, this just this capacity not only for being able to be compassionate, but our capacity to be able to give comfort to others grows through our life experiences, through our own troubles, through our own trials. And and, uh, this this comes along with uh, compassion. So as we think about what it means to be a faithful friend in times of adversity, it might be helpful for you to know that compassion is one of those traits uh, that we ought to be cultivating. And compassion is one of those traits that is present in the heart and in the life of a faithful friend. When you hurt, I hurt. Why? Because I love you. Because I care about you. Because I want to see uh, the Lord bless you and sustain you. And my concern for you is present. So compassion. Secondly, when we think about what it means to be a faithful friend, we're just trying to think about what someone needs or what is helpful. and That's probably the best word to use. What is helpful uh, in a friend during our times of adversity? Not only is compassion helpful, but secondly, if we want to be a helpful friend, we need to make sure that we have perspective. Right? A biblical perspective, really, is what I mean here. There are times where we can be all heart and no head and that's not very helpful. We can be so overwhelmed and so overcome with our compassion, that is, the pain, the sympathy that we're feeling for someone else who's hurting and who we love, that if we don't rein in our perspective, we can add to the problem rather than alleviate it. Look in First Peter, Chapter Four. First Peter, Chapter Four. Verse 12, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. Now when I say perspective, I'm not talking about, whenever we're thinking about this this morning, I'm not talking about you helping someone else by going through this with their perspective. I'm talking about you getting your own perspective straight, getting your own head on straight before you begin to try to minister to someone else. Here's a reality that we ought to keep in mind. It's not a strange thing that trials happen in a fallen world. It's not abnormal. It's not off the wall. Now that that doesn't mean, that doesn't cancel out the fact that it's difficult and that it stirs up and brings out raw emotions and that um, it's uh, very heavy and, and that the burden is difficult to carry. It doesn't alleviate or do away with any of that, but it does for us. We're trying to think about what it means to be a faithful friend. It does help us in our perspective not to blow things out of proportion, and not to make them things that they, biblically speaking, ought not to be made. Trials, difficulties, are a normal part of a fallen world. Jesus says in John chapter 16, verse 33, that in this world you will have tribulations. In this world you will have trials. You will have pressure-filled circumstances, that's just a given. Now, what should that do for our perspective? Well, number one, it should keep us from allowing our emotional response to, to exceed what it ought to as far as going overboard in our minds. But secondly, as a Christian, as a brother and sister in Christ, it also ought to inform you that at any given moment, you're going to have an opportunity to serve someone who's going through a trial. And at any given moment, you may be walking into your next trial. So that as we think about this, again, from a perspective of being part of the body of Christ and part of the provision that the Lord uses with His people, it's not a strange thing for fiery trials to come. When they do come, it is a blessing to be surrounded by faithful friends. So we we also ask the question, why and why why is this happening? We're thinking about this from a perspective standpoint. Again, with the last baby, baby Ben, who they buried, the Gooch's buried, you would think the Lord would have made this a better experience. But this one would have been easier. This one would have been smooth, but it's not. So the question is why? You know, Satan loves to jump on these kinds of things, to sow seeds of doubt, to sow seeds of discouragement. Not just in the lives of those who are touched firsthand by the suffering, but those who watch those who suffer as well. Why is this happening? Well, I don't know that we can get into all the specifics, but we can frame our mindset here. Look in Ecclesiastes chapter 7. This goes back to what we were talking about this morning as we were praying. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 passage you'll be familiar with, but it's one that we ought to remind ourselves of regularly. Verse 14, Ecclesiastes 7.14 In the day of prosperity be joyful, but in the day of adversity consider God also hath set one over against the other to the end that man should find nothing after him question one, or at least answer one, to why is this happening? Well, because God has a sovereign purpose. is Why? God has a sovereign purpose in times of prosperity. And God has a sovereign purpose in times of adversity. And His purposes many times are higher than we are as far as just knowing the intricacies of what all He's doing and what all He's going to accomplish in those things. But we said this morning, not in a trite way, not in a silly way, but in a real way, Psalm 97, verse 1, we can rejoice in the fact that God is reigning, that God's purposes are being fulfilled. And while we don't understand all the ways that that's happening, we don't understand all the things that He's bringing to pass and how He's doing all of that, we do know this, that God is sovereign Over the circumstance that the Goochers find themselves in this morning. He's active in the circumstance that they find themselves in this morning. Secondly, we might ask again as we're thinking, why is this happening? Why is this happening? Thinking about perspective here. Number one, God's sovereign. Number two, in Philippians chapter one, verse six, Paul says, he's confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. You may think, how does that fit? Well. Why is this happening? Because God's faithful. He's faithful to complete the work that He started. and Molly and Daniel and you and the kids. and this is one ingredient of how that work is coming to fruition in their lives. It's working something. It's far greater than the momentary affliction that they're in right now. Look in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Now, we don't think about these things that way. I mean, we don't think about just naturally, we don't think about these painful circumstances are, are coming upon these people that we love. And the reason, one of the reasons why they are, one of the reasons that God would allow. This to happen is because he's faithful to what he's started. That he's using this to, well, brother Davis prayed it this morning, to show us aspects of his love that we could have never known outside of the trials and the difficulties that we go through. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse sixteen. Paul's talking about these difficulties that he's gone through and he says, for which cause we faint not, though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day for our light affliction, which is but for a moment worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. What's he saying here? He's saying that God's doing something in the spiritual realm with the afflictions that we endure. He says these light afflictions which are but for a moment. Now if you go back and you read about the afflictions that Paul endured, they're anything but lying. Paul's not minimizing affliction here, but he is comparing and he is elevating the work that God is doing through those afflictions. The afflictions that we endure in this life work, God is working them for us a far more exceeding, an eternal weight of glory. Okay, the picture there is that God is just building up, okay, building up your spiritual life, building up your uh, the the weight of glory. The the not just the the quantity but the quality of your faith which is precious. And he's doing that. One Uh, trial one circumstance one affliction at a time okay and it doesn't happen outside of the affliction so we would love we would all love to to for the lord to give us a faith that would not shrink back we would all love for god to give us a faith that would be fixed on Him in times of difficulty, in times of trouble. We would all love to to be able to trust in God and in His purposes without wavering. And that's in God's agenda for you, but that comes as you go through the fire of affliction. As you through Romans 5 type experience learn and grow as a more exceeding and eternal weight of glory is worked into you through the afflictions that you go through. How is it that your confidence is built in God's faithfulness? Well, it's as He delivers you time and time and time and time and time again. And the Lord through our afflictions is building a track record of His faithfulness into our lives. So perspective, perspective. Again, why is this happening? We said number one, because God's sovereign purposes. Number two, because God is faithful, and this is just another ingredient in growing the faith of all those who will be touched by this. Number three, we've mentioned this already in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1. I'm going to read the passage this time 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. So, number one, when we think about why is this happening perspective-wise, Well, it's because God is giving you an opportunity to minister comfort. The kind of comfort that you've received in your trouble to the Gucci's in their trouble. Now, now here's what I mean by that. We've got to make sure we understand this before we uh, maybe run wild with it. That doesn't mean that you're the key to the alleviation of all their struggles. That means you can be helpful to them. In their trial. You can can, uh, be an encouragement to them. You can help them along the way. And provide the comfort and the help that they need. We're going to talk about that from a practical standpoint. In one of the next points. So it's because you have an opportunity to minister. But let's not forget this. And let's not gloss over this. Why is this happening? Well, it's also happening because one day God will give Daniel and Molly an opportunity to minister God's comfort to a scared and hurting family whose world feels like it's turned upside down. God equips His people through affliction. He gives us opportunity through other people's affliction. And as we've received His comfort in our afflictions, then we can turn around and we can give comfort. Sometimes people feel so inadequate. They don't know what to say. They don't know what to do. If you've gone through difficulties and you think back on how it was that God blessed you in your time of need, then you can get a pretty good idea of how you might bless someone else. Very rarely... Very rarely, and at least in these kinds of initial days and in these kinds of things, very rarely are these the kinds of opportunities and situations to where we go minister comfort in such a powerful way that somebody remembers what we said for the rest of their life. Sometimes God uses us that way. But more often than not, God will use us the way that He used manna in the wilderness. And it was used to sustain the children of Israel One day at a time. One day at a time. One step at a time. One step at a time. That seems so insignificant. No, it's not insignificant. It's not. It's a powerful reality. And it's also a reality that you are ministering God's comfort. Not your comfort. The comfort that the Lord has given you so that He might use you to bless someone else. And so you might say, I remember in my time of affliction what a comfort it was to know that people were praying for me. Was that a comfort for you? And perhaps you ought to let somebody know you're praying for them, right? Maybe it's just as easy as that. I'm praying for you regularly and I want you to know that. Maybe it was I remember the comfort that I received from from a particular passage of scripture that the Lord gave me. Well, maybe the way that you share that comfort is by sharing the passage along with how God used it in your life. Maybe he'll use it in, in in their lives. Maybe he won't, But but that's what God gave you. Maybe he'll let you give the same to someone else. Now we could go on and on and on and on. I mean, we could have a million applications of how this might work and And uh, in our next point, uh, we'll we'll talk about some of those. But God is using this as an opportunity. As an opportunity for you to comfort the Guchas with the comfort that you received and an opportunity to equip them to comfort those who will be in affliction after them. Perspective. Third, we think about what it means to be a faithful friend in times of affliction faithful friend in times of affliction we cannot leave off prayer. And we have compassion that means that we hurt when they hurt. we want to have perspective that is we want to be able to see the situation the way God sees the situation. We want to be thinking the same things that God wants us to think about a, about a situation like this and then third we want to we want to make sure that we're praying. why? Well, because our resources are limited, aren't they? We're limited. Psalm 46.1 says that God is a present help in our time of need. That means that He is with His people. He is always there, always helping. His arm is not shortened. He's able to give what needs to be given. And so we go to Him and we pray that He would do those things that we cannot do. Just a... You can go to all kinds of passages in Scripture, but just to think about this from from one passage in particular, think about Psalm 34. Psalm 34. As we've made our way through the Psalms on Wednesday nights, we've tried to emphasize and reemphasize again and again and again just the blessing of knowing that God is the God who hears. And if He's the God who hears, then we ought to be a people who speak. And we ought to be coming to God and bringing our desires, our needs, and our brothers' and sisters' needs to the Lord on a regular basis. But look here at the testimony. The testimony of prayer here in Psalm 34, verses 4-7. through The psalmist says, I sought the Lord and He heard me. He delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him and delivereth them. Brothers and sisters, God loves to deliver His people. God loves to sustain his people in their times of affliction. The, 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 the psalm here goes so far as to say in, in verse um, 5 that they looked unto him and they were lightened. That is, their faces shined and they were not ashamed. That is, God did not disappoint from the perspective that God did not make any promises that He failed to keep. Now that doesn't mean things always work out the way we want them to work out. It does mean that God is always faithful to fulfill the promises that He's made. So disappointments do come in life, but you'll never be disappointed in God from the perspective that He told you He would do one thing and then failed to do it. This is the testimony here. Psalm 34, God answers Prayer and God is faithful to fulfill His promises, and then we think about this from a practical standpoint. You know, God has already been answering prayers in this circumstance. Okay, two in particular that, I, that I'm that I'm I'm thinking of, and you've been praying and. I've been praying since Friday, so who knows, but at least two. Um, So yesterday I was texting with Daniel and he had texted me an update and said that the baby's um, heart and and liver and, and another organ function was declining. It wasn't doing very well. They were doing tests and they were trying to figure out what was going on, but we need prayers. We were at, Brother Jimmy's for the work day and so we, we stopped what we were doing and we got together and Brother Davis prayed for the baby and several hours later, I got another update. He said, the organ functioning is getting better. It's stabilized. The baby's improving. The MRI results look good. We're thankful that the Lord is answering our prayers. The Lord is blessing. Now, when I say that, I'm not saying... That the baby's organ function was completely and utterly dependent on the one prayer that we sent up. What I am saying is God heard that prayer and God answered that prayer. That the Lord does work through the prayers of His people. Secondly, we heard again last night um, from Daniel that They had done an MRI, and the results looked better than they were expecting, and they were thankful for that, but realized that they needed to be transferred to another hospital, and so they were going to be transferred to Le in Memphis to get the care that they needed. And then they found out there were no beds open for babies at Le So that was not a possibility. And they were trying to figure out what to do, and the next best best option looked like going to Vanderbilt in Nashville. Well, when you think about it just from our perspective, it sure would be a whole lot easier for them to be in Memphis than in Nashville. And they didn't really want to go to Nashville. So we began to pray. The Lord would open up some way for them to be able to go. And then they were praying the Lord would close doors that needed to be closed. Well, a couple of hours later, they got a call and they said Vanderbilt is filled up too. There's not a bed at Vanderbilt, so you can't go. And then a little bit later, they got a call and said, "A bed is opened up at Lebanar. You're going tomorrow." The Lord answers prayer. Okay. The Lord answers prayer. You know what has to happen for a bed to open up at Lebanar? A sick baby has to go home. Okay The Lord answers prayer, and so they're either on their way now or already there. He's a present help in our time of need. So many things that we can't control. So many things we can't coordinate. We like to try. There's nothing wrong if we can have a little bit of influence. um, uh, But the truth is we just don't have the kind of we don't have the strength, the power to do those kinds of things. Um, We heard that the, 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 um, the beds were all full and I said, Abby, maybe you could talk to Diane. She's the executive director of Spring Sunshine. She's got some connections at Lebanon. Talk to Diane. See if we can get a bed open, or see if there's you know some kind of second wave of something. And we ended up talking the nurse that took care of David. Called Abby through some stuff, and she said, "No, when it's full, it's full. Nothing that you can do. But you can't go on a waiting list. And they got a bed before they could even get on the waiting list. Isn't that something? It's amazing, isn't it?" See, we we can have all the good intentions and we can try everything we can and it's good to in our power. But there's some things we can't control that God can turn just like that. He's a present help in time of need. And so He hears our prayers. And then He invites us to continue to pray. Look as Psalm 34 continues. The eyes of the Lord, verse 15... The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and His ears are open unto their cry. Verse 17, The righteous cry and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth Him out of them all. We're called here to go again and again and again and again to the throne of grace. Why? Because his ears are open to our cry. Because he delivers his people out of the many afflictions that they endure. And so part of what it means to be a faithful friend is that we are faithful in prayer. Faithful in prayer. Just thinking about some practical ways right now that we could be praying. Number one, we ought to be praying that the Lord would guard the Gucci's hearts and minds as they go through the coming days. They're exhausted physically, mentally, emotionally. And as I said earlier, Satan loves to pounce on these kinds of things. He uses these opportunities to sow seeds of doubt, to sow seeds of discouragement. And so we need to be praying that the Lord would guard their hearts and their minds. We, This is part of that prayer, but we ought to be praying that the Lord would give them physical strength. Molly's recovering from a C-section. Daniel and Molly both are completely exhausted. They've gotten some sleep, but I can promise you it hadn't been good sleep. And so we need to be praying the Lord would sustain them physically. They're going to be bombarded with questions and information and all kinds of things that they're trying to filter through their weary minds, and they're going to need help. and so we need to be praying for them in that sense. Third, we need to continue to pray for healing for the baby, to pray for healing for the baby. They're not sure what's wrong, but God knows, and it would not be the first time, even in our in our circles. It would not be the first time that the Lord has brought about miraculous help and healing in the life of someone that we've been praying for. That We ought to be praying for the baby. That God would intervene. That God would bring uh, health and healing. that God would give the doctors wisdom as they care for the baby as well. Next, we ought to be praying for comfort. I mentioned this already but you know the NICU can be a pretty scary and confusing place and we don't know how long they're going to be there but especially the initial days they're going to be waiting on tests they're going to be trying to understand medical terminology they're going to be learning not to have a heart attack every time the alarms go off on the on the machines that the baby is is hooked up to and it's just an overwhelming experience we need to be praying the lord to give them comfort during that time it's a trying experience because you've got to be patient. Um, and then next we need to be praying for endurance. Uh, praying for endurance. We're thinking about the Gucci's, uh, Molly and Daniel particularly here, but let's also not forget Charlie and Arliss and Denman. They're not going to have the time or the attention that they're used to getting from their parents. And they're going to have to process all of that. Molly and Daniel aren't going to have the ability to give them the time and attention that they're used to getting. And they're going to have to figure out how to balance all that out along with the other. And so we don't know how long this particular episode or this particular affliction is going to last, but we do know that they're going to need endurance. And then lastly, just praying that the Lord would give them provisions, both spiritual and physical, Provisions as they go through. So we think about being a faithful friend. We want to be compassionate. We want to have the right perspective. Without the right perspective, we won't know what to be praying for. And we we won't know what to be doing. So after our perspective is biblical, then we want to be able to pray for them. To bring them before the throne of grace. To pray that the Lord would provide all of their needs and the things that we just mentioned. And then last, we want to participate and we want to participate. We want to be part of what the Lord is doing in their life. And we want to be part of the provisions that the Lord is using in their life. So again, part of. Psalm twenty-three, one says, The Lord is our shepherd, or the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Which means the Lord is already actively providing for the needs that we have. Philippians 4.19 says that the Lord will provide all our needs or the Lord will supply all our needs in Christ Jesus. And So as we mentioned earlier, you are part of what the Lord has supplied. You get to participate in that supplying. And so I want to mention two ways that we can, at this point, two ways that we can participate and there will surely be more to come. Look in First Thessalonians chapter five. First Thessalonians chapter five. Now this is this is assuming that we're praying. Okay, this is over and above, and some some of this is going to include some prayer. But assuming that prayer has already taken place in an ongoing way, First uh, Thessalonians chapter five verse 11 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 11 wherefore comfort yourselves together and edify one another even as also ye do now in the in the context here this is talking about comforting one another in the reality that the Uh, The resurrection is yet to come, but the principle here stays the same, and that is that you ought to, we ought to as a church, we ought to be involved in comforting and encouraging. The word edify there is our word encourage to build up. It's to embolden or to impart courage to another individual. And so how do we do this? How do we do this? Well... um, The truth is, there's not a magic formula here. Many times, your efforts and your presence is enough to do this. We know, as far as what our fellowship is and what our fellowship is around, that we can encourage one another through spiritual realities, through scriptural truth. We can also encourage one another just by letting people know that we love you. We're praying for you. We care about you. And we're ready to serve. And so, as we have the opportunity to comfort and encourage, we ought to do that right now. One good avenue for that would be through text. would be through, uh, maybe not today, but after they settle in, through phone calls and maybe through some planned visits. Just letting them know, hey, we love you. We're thinking about you. We care for you. Um, again, sharing scriptural comforts that you've received comfort from. Sharing principles about who God is and what God has done in your life. Helping to try to sustain them. Words of scriptural comfort and encouragement. This all happens, this comfort and encouragement, this all happens on a relational level. It's not just simply the exchange of information. It's that there's a person that Christ has knitted my heart to who loves me and is seeking to minister to me right now. Okay, So I would encourage you as you think about this to think less about how polished am I when it comes to bringing encouragement and think more about I want the Goochies to know I love them. I care for them, and I want to give my best effort in bringing encouragement here. So, comfort and encouragement. Secondly, Galatians six two says that we ought to bear one another's burdens. Now, Galatians six is in the context of restoring a sinner, but we're thinking about this in the in the context of of helping a, a sufferer. These burdens are just. Uh, that we're bearing, it just simply means bearing up under the weight of the pressures that people have on them in life. Now, this is going to be done through physical help in many ways. We may have opportunities to help with the kids, meals, maybe things that need to be done around the house while they're away. More than likely, there will be financial burdens that we can help with. It's not a cheap thing to stay in the NICU. Uh, just as far as just the living part. I'm not even talking about the hospital expenses. Ways that we can help bear one another's burdens. Again, we're actively, this is, this is going to apply to anything else we're doing, we're actively praying for and praying with them as struggles arise. And as we know about these things, we're taking them to the Lord praying that God would bless, and then we're looking for ways that we can get involved and ways that we can help. Now, I will say that as as needs arise and as needs become known, uh, that I'm going to do my best to help at least coordinate and make those things known to you so that you know what the ministry opportunities are. Typically, we do a meal list for those who um, have babies. That's obviously not going to be the case right now for them because they're in Memphis. So um, as far as hands-on ways to serve, we will make that known. It's probably going to take them a little bit before they know and, uh, and can remember and think about what needs to be done. I was uh, talking to Daniel on Friday, and he was expressing his appreciation for all the people who had reached out and, and said, "Whatever I can do, just let me know," and then he said, "What I remember very well," uh, he just said, "My head is uh, essentially my head is swirling so fast I can't think about anything. I don't know what needs to be done. Surely there are some things that need to be done, but I don't know what it is right now." So we have a usually we have a good bit of momentum at the beginning, uh, and we we want to continue to keep them on our radar. And as a church, we'll try to coordinate. What are the needs and um, when and how they need to be met? So. This is a obviously a, a message this morning that's out of the ordinary for the things that we typically do. But brothers and sisters, the Lord is giving us an opportunity to serve. And my prayer is that God would bless us to be that faithful friend that loves at all times that the lord would bless us to be the brother and sister that is born for adversity and that we might be able to glorify christ by ministering comfort encouragement hope and love to the goochs in their time of need let's pray father we uh, We thank you that you are a present help in time of need. We thank you, Lord, that your ears are open to the cries of your people, that you hear us, that you know our needs even before we ask, and that you are actively working, you are actively um, caring for uh, and supplying our every need. Lord, we thank you for the ways that you have worked so far. We thank you that you opened up a a bed at Le and that they were able to uh, to get that and pray that that would be a blessing for them. Uh, Lord, we thank you that um, you have um, uh, provided in in the ways that you have as far as the baby's um, ailments getting better and improving. Um, Lord, now we pray you would give the doctors wisdom to be able to uh, figure out what exactly is going on. And then we pray that You would give us the wisdom and that You would give us the uh, ability to be faithful friends. We pray that You would be with them and that we would be with them in their time of affliction in a way that would minister hope, in a way that would minister love. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Zarahem. Forty-five.